With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The term derivatives crisis, you know, once that starts getting mentioned on the news, um, people need to pay attention um, because Warren Buffett once referred to derivatives as financial weapons of mass destruction, and that's what they really are. They could bring down the entire system, and, and once that happens and the financial system crashes, then there won't be money to lend to businesses for their payrolls, to order new equipment or new inventory. You know, the whole economy will be in jeopardy at that point. And banks will close, and it's going to be, it will be, it will have arrived. Thank you so much, Michael Snyder. You have been excellent guests on the program. Look forward to having you back again as things get tighter and tighter and we get squeezed more and more. Thank you so very much for joining us in the Power Hour today. Oh, thank you. Thank you. You have a blessed day. Ladies and gentlemen, tomorrow, Patricia Bragg will be talking about apple cider vinegar. We'll have a relief from all of this tomorrow, apple cider vinegar. And Brian Kettle will join us and talk about Strauss heart drops and Strauss products. Always an interesting program. You have a blessed day. We love you at the Power Hour. It's all about the truth. Go talk to someone. Have a blessed day, and we'll see you tomorrow. Yeah, bless you all, and we love you at the Power Hour. You're on board KCAA's Inland Talk Express. KCAA, Loma Linda, 1050 AM, the station that leaves no listener behind. Are you an inventor, or do you know an inventor who would like to attempt to have an invention or idea patented and submitted to industry? For free information on how to proceed, phone toll-free, 1-800-315-2807. InventHelp, America's largest invention company, has inventor's information you can have for free. Record your invention's date of origination, plus get an informative brochure and other material of interest to new inventors from the company whose patent referrals have helped secure more than 7,000 patents. Learn how to get this free information by dialing 1-800-315-2807. Even if you only have an idea for improving an existing product and don't know where to go with it, you'll want this free inventor's information. It shows how InventHelp may assist you in trying to patent your invention and submit it to industry. It's a free call, so dial 1-800-315-2807. That's 1-800-315-2807. Again, 1-800-315-2807. This is KCAA.
Culture Shocks with your host, Barry Lynn. All right, welcome to today's edition of Culture Shocks. This is Barry Lynn. Uh, last week, Ross Truett Ashley stole a car at gunpoint. The next day at a traffic stop, he shot and killed Virginia Tech uh, campus police officer Daria Kraus. In articles over the past weekend, the people that were being interviewed by places like the Los Angeles Times, people said, well, we knew Ashley, and he never hinted that he was in ever interested in any violent acts and any violence. He was not a man filled with rage. We'll see if that becomes the full story. Of course, the shooting at Virginia Tech can't help bring back memories of the earlier shooting at Virginia Tech 2007 by Shung Hyo Cho, who killed 32 people, wounded 25 more, or the 1995, uh, excuse me, 1999 shootings at Columbine High School out in Colorado, where 13 were killed, 21 others shot and injured. Today we're going to explore a very carefully orchestrated school shooting that many people in this country have already forgotten, and that's the killing of five people and wounding of 18, followed by the suicide of the shooter on Valentine's Day 2008 at Northern Illinois University. A new book about all this is out. It's called Last Day on Earth by best-selling author David Van, but this is not not a book that merely tries to figure out the motive of a killer. It's much more nuanced than that. It takes a larger look at the whole life of the shooter, Steve Kazmierczyk. It's written uh, with extraordinary access, not only to documents that others have not seen, but also to conversations and emails and other communications with Steve's friends all the way back to junior high school. It's written, as I said, by David Van. And David, we thank you very much for joining us. Thank you. Let's let's start just get, uh, getting the facts out on the table, a couple of facts about this book, which has uh, already won the Writer and Writings Program's Award for Creative Nonfiction. Uh, a few facts. What happened at the end of this story, at Cole Hall on that St. Valentine's Day? Yeah, um, uh, Steve sat in his car and listened to a CD he had titled Final CD that ended with Marilyn Manson's Last Day on Earth uh, song, which is where the mm-hmm. title of the book comes from. And then he walked into uh, to the back of the hall. Um, he had planned his shooting for 11 days in advance. He had a backpack to make it look like he was carrying books. He had a shotgun for shock and awe uh, for initial effect and uh, three pistols. Uh, the Glock 19 is the weapon that would end up killing everyone. Uh, same weapon used at VA Tech and Tucson and other places. Uh, he stepped on stage at the end of a class, and he shot the shotgun uh, three times, reloaded, shot three times more, and shot 48 shots with the pistol. Um, and uh, his five victims and himself were all killed by the Glock 19. And it was something that I think was not inevitable in that if he had waited just a couple more minutes, the class would have been over. It would have been too late. Mm-hmm. But I think he sat in his car and thought about not doing it. So the the book explains how that final event was possible, how he could have been that person on stage uh, committing that that act of murder and then suicide. Um, but, of course, it can't make it inevitable. I don't know. No why he didn't decide at the end not to do it. 
Well, we'll talk a little more about that, too. And, of course, one of the things that your book does is correct a lot of the misinformation. We've seen a lot of corrective material about Columbine, for example. But here, too, at, uh, at this university, the media sweeps in right away. They try to find comments from friends and family. But what did they immediately get wrong? Almost everything. Yep. The media was terrible um, in covering shootings. Our, our TV in our country is especially bad. There's no fact-checking or responsibility uh, to, to uh, what the true story might be or what the lives of the people might be. So, for instance, the teacher in the class who was, had a minor injury in his arm shot by one of the pistol bullets after all the shotgun shells, uh, it was written that he was shot first with the first shot and that he was chased all around, uh, that he was killed at one point that half his face was blown off and that he was dead. And so his family got to read that he was dead. Sure. And that wasn't corrected yeah. for a couple of days. Uh, the TA in the class also was declared dead by, by news articles, and, and yet he was still alive. And so some of his relatives who couldn't reach him by phone thought that he was dead for a while. So the, the media was as bad as media could possibly be, uh, completely wrong in everything, but stating everything as fact that wasn't fact, uh, sealing the story in a really terrible way that, that this was just an innocent kid who snapped right. and believing his ex-girlfriend on TV, on CNN, that, yeah, he, he couldn't have done this, he wouldn't be like this, he was just an innocent guy who snapped. Yeah, you and see, the story just went away with that. Yeah, because, of course, uh, once you correct uh, the unfortunate a notice of death of uh, the, not only the teacher but the teacher's assistant Brian. Then, then uh, you just correct it. You say, "Well, we're sorry about that." But the backstory, when you get the backstory wrong, you do stop people from taking an interest in it. If it's a student that truly flips out for no possible reason, in my experience, rarely do quote people flip out for no reason, even if they don't right. commit a crime like this. So once you get the backstory wrong, that's you just hope. Uh, nobody bothers to do the kind of searching that you've done here and that others have done on Columbine to get to the truth. Yeah, CNN is particularly bad. They, they, um, uh, I, I really lost any respect that I had for them uh, in doing the story because they had everything wrong. I later did a, a, a documentary with them a year after the shooting, correcting some of the facts, mm -hmm. and in that they, they just sort of erased me and said, CNN investigated and CNN found that and, and pretended that they were the ones who got the story. <laughs> oh, <laughs> but, but beforehand, they, they had interviewed her, and they just are go looking for uh, kind of shock and awe themselves. They just want to get an interview that seems important. They don't care if they get the info right or not. Um, and so we just get a lot of misinformation. So it was interesting on this story to go into it at first in the reporting, believing all kinds of things that were untrue. You know, I thought that he was just that sweet grad student who snapped. And so it was a strange process to find out that there's a completely different story behind this. Yeah, now when you, uh, as a journalist, you explain to people that you want to talk to who are not willing to talk to anybody in the media that you're writing originally the uh, version of this for Esquire magazine. How did you get any doors open to talk with his friends, male or female, or to talk to the girlfriend who had basically lied about everything when she went on television on CNN? What was your entree? Well, I was a... I was a professor and a memoirist rather than being a journalist. So I was okay. able to talk to his professor, Jim Thomas, uh, his mentor, um, a really great guy, a guy I just like more and more. And, and he's, uh, 
he's willing to kind of face the the hard facts. Like he wanted to know the truth. He wanted to know the mm-hmm. truth about Steve, even though he was close to Steve. And uh, through him, I was able to talk with Steve's uh, fellow grad students there at NIU. He had left NIU, but there were some who were still grad students there. And uh, through all of them, I, I was able to find out that they didn't know anything. The rest mm-hmm. of the media thought that these people were holding out, that they had mm-hmm. seen warning signs, that they knew more of the story, and they just weren't telling. But the truth is they didn't know anything because Steve had reinvented himself over the previous five years. And the guy who came out on that stage was not the guy they had known for those five years. But he was uh, so like the guy. junior high and high school friends yep. and interviewed all of them. And back then his life was perfectly shaped for mass murder. And I, I shared all of those interviews. And I read all the books he was reading, the movies he was watching. I shared all that information with law enforcement. And in return, they gave me the 1,500 pages of the police file that no one else had had any access to. Yeah, and the 1,500 pages include a lot of that information back from uh, a much earlier period, which starts to shape the story in an entirely different direction and, in ironic way, uh, connects to your own life at about the same period, a kind of fascination with guns, among other things, that make uh, you uh, an extraordinarily good person to tell this story. We've got to take a little break. When we come back, we're going to rejoin David Van. His book is Last Day on Earth, a portrait of the NIU school shooter. This is really a book unlike any other book about shootings, about criminals. We talk about crime books a lot on this show. This is really a unique contribution to an important kind of literature, creative nonfiction. Good phrase. We'll be back with David Van in a minute right here on Culture Shocks. Every month, Americans United for Separation of Church and State publishes an award-winning magazine called Church and State. It exposes efforts by the so-called religious right to eat away at the core principles of religious freedom. Should your tax dollars fund expensive private religious schools and cut back funding for your local public schools? Should government bureaucrats get back in the business of writing unity prayers for your children to recite at school? Should we teach good, solid science or replace it with religious messages? about intelligent design? Should special interest groups force your school library to take popular books from the Harry Potter series to Judy Bloom novels off the shelves? These are the issues explored every month in Church and State magazine. To learn more, go to www.au.org. Americans United fights to protect and promote the constitutional principle of church-state separation. For more information, please call us at 1-800-875-3707. Making the right decisions is a challenge to investors. Are we going to see economic growth, slide into a recession, or at worst, depression? Hi, Ted Anderson from Midas Resources. We all know when a company acts irresponsibly, divesting ourselves in a move towards safety is prudent. When the market becomes volatile, U.S. Treasuries are a safe haven. But what do you do when the U.S. government overextends itself and spends beyond its means? Many investors are turning toward gold as a common-sense alternative to traditional paper investments. Midas Resources has put together a powerful book titled 10 Reasons to Own Gold, discussing costs, benefits, risks, featuring full-color illustrations, weights, and measures. The book is free and can be yours by calling 
1-800-686-2237. Paper investments are dwarfed by gold's 6,000-year history. Discover how gold may be right for you and your IRA by calling 800-686-2237. Whether buying or it's time for you to sell, the book is free. Call 800-686-2237. Prices are for base buildings only and may not be available in some areas. This is an alert. If your business or church is building next year, you're about to pay more than you should. This could mean thousands of dollars more for your office, retail space, church, or warehouse. Call General Steel now for the quality and the price in a pre-engineered steel building that you just can't beat. That's right. General Steel can save you thousands of dollars with a pre-engineered steel building designed for your business or church. What does this mean? How about a 50 by 100 foot building for under $30,000? Don't pay thousands more than you should without calling General Steel first. Call 866-99-STEEL today and save as much as half the cost in time of conventional construction. Don't let rising steel prices put your project in jeopardy. Call now to lock in your price for three months. Call 866-99-STEEL. That's 866-997-8335. Don't spend thousands of dollars more than you should. Call 866-99-STEEL today. I have bought a few bottles of heart and body extract and have to say that it it certainly does work. That's what Jack from Michigan had to say after his experience with heart pain and what he did to treat it with heart and body extract. I actually had a huge heart flutter. I was also having some edema around my ankles and very worrisome clot in my uh, right leg that would happen from time to time while I was trying to sleep. Heart and body extract is all natural with no negative side effects. It will help repair or correct past problems associated with the heart and body circulation. After my second bottle of heart and body extract, all problems are now gone. Order at hbextract.com or call 866-295-5305. I ordered a third bottle of heart and body extract for maintenance as I want to keep everything working. Order heart and body extract at 866-295-5305 or hbextract.com. Heart and body extract for a long and healthy life. Now back to Culture Shocks with Barry Lynn on the Genesis Communication Network. We're back right here on Culture Shocks. We're talking to David Van, already a best-selling author for previous works, and he's out with a book now called Last Day on Earth. This is the story of an extraordinary shooting and a shooter uh, who, as is typical, sadly, in a lot of school shootings, uh, the media gets it wrong, doesn't want to admit much is wrong, and therefore we really have to dig very, very hard to get to the truth of the situation. This is the shooting of Steve by Steve Oh, man, my Polish pronunciation is is really falling (laughs) apart. Kazmierczyn at Northern Illinois University on uh, on Valentine's Day of 2008. So, David, uh, right before the break I mentioned that you you had access to a lot of documents. The police helped you get documents that other people, other uh, folks looking at this story uh, did not have access to. And in those stories of the past of this man, 
you you find that Steve has a lot of sexual shame that goes all the way back to his teenage years, a lots of serious mental health issues and loads of medication, all of which, as you just said, uh, put him in a kind of perfect position to end up being what he turned out to be, a, a mass murderer. Exactly. His junior high and high school years and years afterward in the public, um, sorry, the private um, mental health system uh, in the Chicago area, Mm -hmm. uh, all those years were perfectly shaped for mass murder. He had every warning sign that you could possibly have. Um, As you mentioned, he had sexual shame where he may have been abused. Uh, He had sex with several men but was in denial of that and uh, had a summer of secret sex uh, that he was holding kind of back from everyone. At the end, he was exhausting himself with a lot of prostitutes that he was meeting off of Craigslist. so that was, that was one narrative that, that, you know, one part of his life that made that final moment possible. Um, there, were, there were probably at least half a dozen of those that came together in a kind of perfect storm. Another is his mental health history where he was over, he had half a dozen suicide attempts. He'd wanted to kill himself for a long time. He was over-medicated from high school on, pumped up to 300 pounds um, on uh, probably the lithium did that, but it could have been a whole, uh, he had a whole cocktail of drugs he was taking. So. The doctors never slowed down to find out which drug was having which effect. So after a while, I, I can't tell who was Steve in, in his symptoms and, and what actually belonged to the medications. Um, he's really not served well by the mental health system. He pulled out of that the, the um, larger narrative of his story. Mm-hmm. He has this terrible junior high, high school, and mental health history. And then uh, afterward, he goes into the military for basic training and to the point where he's first assigned and he's off medication during that time, and it helps him pull his life together. And then he goes to become an undergraduate at Northern Illinois University and has this tremendous drive for success to reshape himself and not become a mass murderer. That's what's most interesting about his story. He didn't want to end up at that moment. And so he becomes a straight-A student, a Dean's Award winner, and reshapes himself pretty effectively, but then has a slide backward regresses back to who he'd been in junior high and high school in that mental health history because he goes through transitions, which are tough for people with mental mm-hmm. health issues. So he switches schools, gets away from his professors and friends. His mother has died, and there's a lot of bitterness in that relationship that now can't be dealt with in any way. Um, and so he regresses to who he'd been before. He goes to the shooting range instead of going to class. Uh, he's really studying mass murders and shootings again, um, isolated from his family and friends, doing stuff on Craigslist and having a lot of sex to exhaust himself and and developing a double life a double life but when you start to find out what he was like in high school you yourself experienced some because you lived through these some of the same things parental suicide a fascination with guns at an early age so there are a lot of things about uh, Steve that have no you know comparable uh, value or analogy in your life but but these are pretty big things. When you describe certain things like uh, your, uh, well, your willingness to take a gun and um, mm-hmm. size up the neighbors and take a look, right. can I, I pull the trigger? Yeah. 
Yeah, I had a double life for a while. After my father killed himself with a pistol when I was 13 years old, mm. my family thought it would be a great idea to give me all of his guns. Yeah. So I had, at 13, I had a 12-gauge shotgun, a 20-gauge shotgun, a 30-30 rifle like in the Westerns, and a 300 Magnum rifle with a scope, which is a rifle meant for bears. And with that rifle, uh, since I had it, I was, of course, using it. At, at 13, I was aiming at our neighbors through their living room windows with that scope, with a shell in the chamber with the safety off. And and I'd been trained to shoot that that gun as a kid also, and I was shooting out street lamps from a couple hundred yards away with it to watch them explode. So guns became a kind of terrible substitute for me. For three years, I told everyone that my father died of cancer, mm-hmm. that the suicide was too shameful. So instead of talking with anyone about it, I just shot things. And I think that that's often the case with guns, that they become a substitute. Yeah, and I, I'll tell you, as a reader of this book, all I could think about during the early uh, chapters or, or early sections of the book, the fact that when I was, and I've talked about this on the show before, I, I, I mean, I used to be heavily interested in building explosive devices. And uh, my parents, for some inexplicable reason, uh, really didn't care. I mean, the bigger the explosion in the backyard, uh, the bigger. Uh, the state police officer in Pennsylvania who lived two doors down, he'd come over and watch. You know, what could you do? And only because of a, a tragic uh, incident that occurred with one of my friends, one of my bomb-making friends, uh, in someone's basement one weekend, uh, did, I, did I stop doing it? I, but I remember also uh, some of the people that I hung out with uh, in Pennsylvania, in eastern Pennsylvania, who would go on the top of an overpass with a big rock and just think about what it would look like if they dropped it and it shattered a windshield, which, of course, could easily have been fatal. So to what do you attribute you getting out of that mode and saying, you know, this is uh, I'm giving up these these uh, childish things? For me, it was actually the influence of other people uh, was the arts, basically. I, I had three years of spiraling down, everything becoming worse, very isolated from everyone, isolated from my friends, um, becoming kind of more and more violent and, and dangerous in what I was doing. And then uh, I, I had new friends. I, I just had no friends for a while, and then I had some new friends, and, and they were in uh, drama. And uh, so I, I auditioned to be in a drama mm-hmm. class after school where I had to tell the true story, what actually happened with my yeah. dad the day we found out he died by suicide. And that was a tremendous thing, to tell a group of people the truth about something. And then to to act in plays where I had some kind of other way of expressing what had gone on in directly, um, but not the kind of terrible substitute the guns are that where they don't deal with the issue in any way, but instead the indirectness of, of art, which is helpful. And then after that, um, uh, soon after that is when I started writing about my father and his suicide. And I, I worked on a book uh, called Legend of the Suicide mm-hmm. uh, for 10 years trying to figure out how to write about him. So it was a long process. Sure. But but that's what was finally helpful. The arts, education, connections to other people. Exactly. That's what pulled me out of that. That's right. Well, Steve Kazmierczyk, as we pointed out, was seemingly pulled out of a lot of his 
bad practices, dangerous behavior caused by himself and sometimes by others, but then he falls back into the wrong pattern. When we come back, we're going to talk about how easy it is for people to attribute the cause of his fallback to very specific issues. And it depends whether you're ideologically more to the right or more to the left about what you might say is the cause of all of this, but it's not that simple. We'll be back for more on Culture Shocks on Barry Green. Every month, Americans United for Separation of Church and State publishes an award-winning magazine called Church and State. It exposes efforts by the so-called religious right to eat away at the core principles of religious freedom. Should your tax dollars fund expensive private religious schools and cut back funding for your local public schools? Should government bureaucrats get back in the business of writing unity prayers for your children to recite at school? Should we teach good, solid science or replace it with religious messages? about intelligent design? Should special interest groups force your school library to take popular books from the Harry Potter series to Judy Bloom novels off the shelves? These are the issues explored every month in Church and State magazine. To learn more, go to www.au.org. Americans United fights to protect and promote the constitutional principle of church-state separation. For more information, please call us at 1-800-875-3707. Land in Buenos Aires, then a shuttle to Santa Rosa, where a nicely furnished cabin with all amenities, Wi-Fi, executive food and wine, and laundry service awaits. After a good night's sleep, your adventure begins. You're on a golden stag safari for big game. But it's not Africa. It's Argentina. One-on-one guided hunts for water buffalo, cougar, bighorn rams, wild boar, and the biggest stag deer in South America. All gold medal quality. All the action you can handle. Land Rovers, top rental guns with scopes, all food, beverages, hunting guides, ground transportation included, and more, all more affordable than you can imagine. The adventure of a lifetime starts at GoldenStagSafaris.com, the big game hunting ranch, GoldenStagSafaris.com. That's the sound of your door being kicked in by an intruder with a single kick. That's the sound of the same door now protected by the Door Sentinel at MySafeDoor.com. Go to MySafeDoor.com right now and watch the amazing video. At MySafeDoor.com, you'll learn how to turn your home into a fortress with the Door Sentinel. 16 kicks later, and the Door Sentinel is still holding strong. MySafeDoor.com. That's MySafeDoor.com. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. Have you ever wondered why banks, stockbrokers, investment advisors won't talk about gold IRAs? They've been available since 1986, yet the financial industry won't recognize the value of gold for your retirement. Gold has outperformed paper investments, yet no word about IRAs. If you would like to have gold for your retirement, call 800-686-2237. Don't get left behind by rising inflation and low returns. Call 800-686-2237. Secure your future and call 1-800-686-2237. 
Hello? Congratulations. For what? For losing all that weight. How'd you do it so fast? ASAP. ASAP what? What's that mean? Are you ready to get as skinny as possible, as soon as possible, as simple as possible, and as sexy as possible? I'm listening. Then get with the ASAP program. It's real and it works. No smooth talk, no slick advertising, and no exaggerated claims of success. I've got to know more. Welcome to ASAP, as slim as possible. Whether you have 10, 20, or 50 pounds to lose, ASAP is your weight loss answer. ASAP targets the abnormal fat reserves and makes them available to be burned as fuel and contains no caffeine or hormones. Order ASAP at wholesale prices or join the team to share the business with others. Visit GCNteam.com or call 877-878-4203. GCNteam.com or call 877-878-4203. Lose weight and look great with ASAP as slim as possible. The GCN Radio Network, providing the world with hard-hitting talk radio. G-C-N. Great talk radio starts here. All right, we are back, and we're talking to David Van, the author of Last Day on Earth, a portrait of the Northern Illinois University school shooter. This is Steve Kazmierczyk, who uh, killed uh, five people and then killed himself, wounded another 18 on Valentine's Day of 2008. It's interesting, David, that people who want to see the world in pretty black-and-white, simplistic terms would be readily able to fix blame very easily in Steve's case. For example, I remember after the Columbine shootings, I was on a a number of shows with Jerry Falwell, who continued to say, even when it was determined to be false, uh, which was often the case with Jerry, uh, he said, well, the Columbine shooters were fascinated by Marilyn Manson records, and this is what really caused the shooting. Now, of course, they weren't, but Steve was fascinated with Marilyn Manson, the last song that he listened to before getting out of his car and going into the auditorium to start the shooting was a Marilyn Manson song called Last Day on Earth, uh, the very title of your book. He watched horror movies like Saw, those very violent torture porn sometimes referred to. He played with violent video games. And, uh, wow, that's got to make him a killer. On the other side, you see people who look at the full story of Steve and they say, look, the guy grew up with a gun culture and a gun mentality and he never got out of that. And plus, he was a racist. He went to all kinds of websites that were racist. He said racist things to his friends. Uh, That must have caused it all. But the reality of, of human experience is that a lot of people go to goth metal concerts or they even visit hate group sites or they even have guns and they never kill anybody or even think about it. It's always about something far more personal than the easy narrative. Would you agree with that? Yeah, it's, yeah, it's, it's a great summary, actually. It's, um, it's very confusing to, to be able to, to try to attribute cause, to say the shooting happened because of this more than because of this other reason. So in the book, I try to be careful to just say, here are all the things that came together into a kind of perfect storm to make it possible for him to commit the shooting. My own opinion is that the, the, um, the factors that are shared by all the shooters that I studied um, that link them together and seem to me most important are one that um, it, it's going to be a man. Mm. does the shooting. I, I don't actually think they're that difficult to profile. It's a man right. 
Um, if they're old enough to have served in the military, they will have served in the military. Okay. Uh, they're, they won't have a lot of money. Their politics will be libertarian. Mm-hmm. They'll have an interest in horror movies and, and shooters and murders. They'll have an interest in guns and access to guns. Uh, and usually they have a mental health history. And to me, those are the most important factors. Uh, he did listen to Marilyn Manson, and the shooters all like Marilyn Manson uh, because the people in the band are named after murderers, sure. and the lyrics speak to people with mental health history. They, he has lines like that talking about the your skin feels like glass, for instance, and it mm-hmm. confuses the issues of murder and suicide. So it makes sense that they all listen to Manson, but I wouldn't consider it a major factor. No. The, the first-person shooter games online, uh, Steve himself wondered if there was a connection, that if you have a mental health illness, right. if those games bring out something that translates into real life. So that was a question he asked, and he wanted to write a paper about it. He also thought it was crazy that he could get access to guns. He wrote a, a paper titled No Crazies with Guns, and he quoted Charlton Heston's famous words from My Cold Dead Hands. But Steve asked, what if those cold dead hands also are holding a half-filled bottle of antipsychotics, which is, of course, an sure. Excellent question. He thought it was very odd that that he, with his mental health history, was enabled was was allowed to buy guns. And he knew that in Illinois, you only have to have been out of the mental health system for five years to get the card that you need to be able to buy firearms. Exactly. Um, so that you know, there's all kinds of issues, but certainly access to guns for those who are at risk is one of the the main things that we should want to do something about, but that we don't do anything no. about. It hasn't changed since 1966 when I was born, 45 years nope. ago, the Texas Tower shooting. Nope. He bought a bunch of weapons, brought them up the tower, and shot everyone. Um, we we have nothing in place to stop that. It's a carefully defended American right to go shoot a bunch mm-hmm. of people. And we, we have all these high-risk groups in the U.S. We have 1.2 million veterans who have been trained to kill without any emotional or psychological response. They've been trained to kill without feeling anything trained in weapons, and they're asking for mental health help, and they're not getting it. Right. 1.2 million American veterans want mental health help. We have 20,000 people to serve them in the mental health field, but they're not in all the towns where all the veterans live. So that's our single highest at-risk group who would share all the factors that Steve had um, and who we should be looking towards serving. We owe yeah. them better mental health access, yeah. and we should be giving them that access um, partly out of protection for ourselves. Too. No, absolutely. There is an enlightened self-interest that ought to come into play, nothing immoral or unethical about it. Um, there is one thing, though, that you didn't mention that uh, he said a man, he will have served in the military, as Steve tried to do, always kind of living day to day in terms of financial background, more libertarian, lots of interest in shootings and mass murder and horror stories and all of that. But there are a couple specific things. One, the relationship that Steve had with women, starting with his mother, who would lay around on a couch and uh, watch horror movies with him on television. Then his uh, some time girlfriend and more frequently roommate in a separate room Jessica then his racist girlfriend Kelly who works with people in need of social services but then ridicules them whenever she's talking uh, to Steve about them so I mean am I missing something or are these people all of whom happen to be women important in his life pretty reprehensible and in every sense an enabler of every bad thought Steve has yeah, they are. Um, I, I, of course, um, 
wouldn't want to draw any, you know, general um, uh, conclusions from that. I, you know, I'm careful sure. to say, for instance, that his his uh, homosexuality or bisexuality is not a problem in itself. It's just that he was in denial of it, and so it caused him denial and despair, which becomes a problem. His relationship with women, I, I come from a family where my father's suicide was blamed on my stepmother. My, his whole family still blames her for the suicide, which is unfair, and there's been a sure. long history of men blaming their despair on women so i'm careful not to say that you know women in any way you know caused this but of course his mother did uh have have a huge influence more than anyone else in his life steve's mother would be someone that you could say was responsible for making him a monster if if someone made him a monster from outside um one one terrible thing about the recent movie we need to talk about kevin is that the guy's just the kid's born demonic he's just a monster mm-hmm. from the very beginning so he can't implicate us in any way or connect to us he can't say anything about american culture his shooting also happens with bow and arrow and so it avoids the entire gun right. issue so, um so it, it is important to think about all the ways that we're implicated, I think. And and all these close relationships, family relationships, relationships with parents are certainly important. All the shooters I studied yeah. do become disconnected from family and very angry at family. Yeah, but, but it's also important when you become disconnected from somebody, who you connect with is awfully important. And here are these two women, Jessica and Kelly, uh, that confirm all of his prejudices and all most of his fantasies, sexual and otherwise, I mean, I'm the last guy to say, hey, you know, fantasies are bad. It can be great. But in this case, they seem to pick up and then later deny that they even saw some of the worst aspects of Steve's life, personality, and interests. Right. Jessica's, both of them, Jessica and the one on online who he saw in person also, um, who was actually his girlfriend at the end, both of them saw all the or plenty of warning signs. Jessica saw all of them. She had all the information available. Um, the other one had a lot of information available. And the problem with the idea of warning signs is that if the people around the shooter are a little bit crazy, they're not reliable reporters yeah. of that you know this is possibly a, a mass murder um, and as you mentioned the, the the girlfriend Kelly online she was very racist and they went back and forth with these emails that are confusion of, of racism and weird sex and discussion of mass murder um, racism is part of paranoia I think it's yeah. part of uh, this fear of the federal government that they want mm. to come enslave us all which is yeah. behind the gun rights movement so we have to have our guns to defend ourselves sure. and, and it's part of what makes um, the shooting possible and it's also part of a negation of self like james baldwin pointed out 60 years oh, ago oh no absolutely a negation you hate yourself you hate yourself, you hate yourself, yourself. and uh, you sometimes transfer that to other groups and sometimes you just continue to do self-loathing and end up where steve kazmierczyk ended up david van will be back with us as we wrap up today's edition of culture shocks i'm barry lynn Every month, Americans United for Separation of Church and State publishes an award-winning magazine called Church and State. It exposes efforts by the so-called religious right to eat away at the core principles of religious freedom. Should your tax dollars fund expensive private religious schools and cut back funding for your local public schools? Should government bureaucrats get back in the business of writing unity prayers for your children to recite at school? Should we teach good, solid science or replace it with religious messages? 
messages about intelligent design. Should special interest groups force your school library to take popular books from the Harry Potter series to Judy Bloom novels off the shelves? These are the issues explored every month in Church and State magazine. To learn more, go to www.au.org. Americans United fights to protect and promote the constitutional principle of church-state separation. For more information, please call us at 1-800-875-3707. If you owe the IRS back taxes, listen carefully. Sweeping changes to IRS policies will help more people than ever eliminate their tax debts once and for all. And now, thanks to Dan Pillow, you can get the tax help you need to end your tax nightmare. Hi, I'm Dan Pilla. I've helped thousands of people reduce or eliminate tax debts they couldn't pay. And after more than 30 years of experience dealing with the IRS, I can tell you there's no such thing as a hopeless tax case. With the IRS's new policies, it's easier than ever to put your tax debt behind you once and for all. Call now at 800-346-6829 to learn how I can help you. You know your IRS debt will not go away by itself, but you don't have to live in fear anymore. Call 800-346-6829. Learn how I can help you eliminate wage and bank levies, release tax liens, and negotiate a settlement with the IRS that will put your tax nightmare behind you forever. Call 800-34-NO-TAX or go to my website, TaxHelpOnline.com. That's TaxHelpOnline.com. Food storage? Check. Survival tools? Check. Weapons and water filters? Check. But what about a permanent source of cooking power that can run forever without buying fuel or paying for maintenance? Introducing Afterburner Stoves, home of the original patented rocket stove, the Kelly Kettle, and the Solo Stove. Afterburner Stoves has what you need and now offers all GCN listeners our complete preparedness package with the means to cook meals and sanitize water. Whether you dig in or bug out, cook almost any meal with just a handful of sticks. We already have the lowest online prices guaranteed. But if you enter coupon code GCN at checkout, we'll knock off an additional 15% and send you our amazing six-hour solar rechargeable light bulb absolutely free, all for only $249. Visit AfterburnerStoves.com or call 866-716-5214, 866-716-5214, AfterburnerStoves.com. Cook hot meals with just a handful of sticks. Oh, my aching back. I've got to get some relief for my arthritis. When arthritis pain rears its ugly head, rub on Smooth Gator, the 60-second pain relief. Smooth Gator provides topical relief from head to toe and everywhere in between to stop pain fast. Smooth Gator is made with all natural oils, including wintergreen, aloe vera, and eucalyptus in a safe, non-greasy formula. Rub Smooth Gator on your neck, back, legs, knees, hands, any muscle or joint where pain from arthritis sprains strains or backache needs fast 60 second pain relief smooth gator can also be used for allergies sinuses fibromyalgia and rheumatoid arthritis in the time it took to listen to this message you could have had relief with smooth gator the 60 second pain relief go to smoothgator.com or phone 727-278-3137 call 727-278-3137 or click smoothgator.com the 60 second pain relief You're listening to Culture Shocks with Barry Lynn on the Genesis Communication Network. All right, we are back and we're uh, wrapping up.
up today's conversation with David Van, the author of Last Day on Earth, a portrait of the Northern Illinois University school shooter. This is Steve Kazmierczyk, who killed five people, wounded about 17 or 18 others uh, on Valentine's Day of 2008, a story that uh, really was mishandled, misrepresented, and uncovered until David started to look into the long history of Steve, not just accepting the kind of chronicle and narrative that the news media had done immediately, which was, here is a man who got almost all A's, and he was the dean's selection for best undergraduate at this university. He then went on to get a master's degree and all of that, and then all of a sudden he snapped. But the truth is, as those of you who have been with us for the last 40 minutes or so know, the backstory is far more complicated and far more arguably predictive that he would come to this kind of end. Uh, we talked about the women in his life and the role that sex and some fantasies got caught up in identity and uh, other things that uh, certainly were part of the perfect storm, as you described it. He also had a close friend. You call him Mark in the book. He's a big company executive, I guess, somewhere now. But he's fascinated with both the style and the planning of school killings and other mass murders, along with Steve. So they seem to appreciate, in a way that plenty of people wouldn't, even people with severe mental illness wouldn't, they like to look at the plan, they like to think that people somehow, like themselves, were able to pull off something they would ridicule the people, is that fair to say, at Columbine for not planning carefully enough and not letting a high-explosive device go off to kill even more people, but they sure were fascinated by the idea of planning, and Steve planned this in very great detail for 11 full days at least. Right. They studied other shooters. The shooters all study other shooters, and they tend to be pushed over the edge to do their events by some other shooting. So there was a, a botched robbery that turned into execution-style uh, killing of, of five mm-hmm. women uh, yep. in the Chicago area that happened on February, uh, I think it was February 2nd. And so February 3rd is when uh, Steve decided to do his shooting, uh, which ended up being February 14th. So he was pushed over the edge by a, a, a shooting. And before that, he had been studying VATEC and Columbine in detail with this best his best friend. And what was strange about sitting with his best friend for three hours interviewing him and, and recording our conversation is that it was just like the conversation he would have had with Steve about VA Tech or Columbine. Mm. This guy had no emotion over the fact that we were now talking about his best friend as the shooter and, and his best friend was dead and killed all these people. There was no emotional response whatsoever. And he still was talking about methodology, as he called it, and uh-huh. success. So he was still thinking about the high pin count. He was curious about whether the shotgun was used first for shock and awe because that's something they had discussed. They had also discussed that uh, school shooters should go to an auditorium instead of to individual classrooms because they'd have a lot more targets altogether, you know, sort of a target-rich environment. And so I think he was kind of pleased in a way that some of the discussions they had had had, had led into how Steve had planned his shooting. Um, and it was very strange to talk with someone who was so cold about that and who's hiding in corporate America. He's working for McDonald's. Huh. Yeah. Did you and ever say? You never know um, that he has all of these interests. He's very private. I spent no, sure. a lot of time 
interviewing him, and I, have, I don't know a single thing about his private life. Did you think about saying directly to Mark, maybe you did say this, you know, it's, it's uh, thanks for talking to me, this is a, but the way you described the story, you could, you could be a robot or a tape recorder. You're, you don't seem human. Did you confront him in any way about the obvious uh, contribution that he made to this whole enterprise? No, I, I didn't. I have to admit that I came at the story as writing about Steve as a suicide primarily mm-hmm. before writing about him as a murderer. Because yep. I think that in, the, in his shooting, at least, and in other shootings where the killer shoots, you know, kills himself at the end, that we can understand them best as a suicide primarily. Um, in other words... The, the killing of other people is part of that self-erasure. Steve went back to NIU where he'd had all the success, um, I think because he wanted to erase everything that had ever been good about him, everything that he'd ever accomplished mm-hmm. as, as part of his final suicide, which came at the end of half, half a dozen attempts of trying just to kill himself. So I think we can best understand them that way. And I think for all the people who are left afterward who knew the shooter, I think we have to approach them first as going through suicide bereavement. And I think even someone that cold mm-hmm. as, as as this friend of his who spoke about all of this without any emotional effect, I think that he must be going through some kind of suicide bereavement anyway, sure. despite that. Sure. I think it's unavoidable. And so I didn't, for instance, press Steve's father before he died uh, to talk with me because I already had the police files that had everything he had told police. Mm-hmm. And, and he just seemed to be suffering. In his one appearance on TV, he looked like something straight out of Greek tragedy where he's right. throwing up his arms and saying, you know, you know leave me alone. I, I don't have anything to say. Like, I just don't no, yeah. no. I, I felt bad for some of these people. I even felt bad for Jessica. She lied to me consistently every time I met with her, and she tried to hide every part of the story. Um, but I felt bad for her. I mean, he sent her rings and, you know, a, you know, an engagement ring and other stuff. Yep. They were supposed to get together on Valentine's Day, Time's Day. She thought she was getting a proposal. Instead, she finds out he's a mass murderer. You know, on, on average, uh, 18 American veterans commit suicide every day uh, for over the last couple of years at least. And, of course, as you point out, they don't get the kind of support. We don't make a commitment. We say we do, but, of course, we, we don't. And uh, this, this contributes to all of this. But most of those 18 a day uh, wouldn't think seriously about taking somebody out with them. So there is something, I mean, I certainly understand, and it's a major theme of the book, that you'd start writing this as a suicide story, and then it becomes the story of a suicide and a mass murder. But what do you think distinguishes the person who says, I really have given up, I do want to erase myself, from those tiny fraction of people who say, I want to erase a lot of other people at the same time. And the more pain I can cause, if I think about it at all, uh, on and on for years to come that's that's tough let them deal with it what what makes the difference here I think that's a really tough question, and I, of course, can't really answer it. Um, but my guess would be that it's mostly the political viewpoint, the, the uh, general paranoid constellation of libertarian politics, racism, uh, paranoia, the, the sense of being part of a grander, bigger sort of story is part of what propels one toward uh, murder-suicide instead of just suicide, um, because that's something that they all share, uh, all the shooters that I studied. Mm-hmm. For instance, the guy who gunned down a bunch of school children, six to ten-year-olds in Stockton right. with an AK-47, you know, he was a libertarian and had the same kind of politics, same kind of paranoia that uh, Steve had. So, so I have to believe that that, that that paranoia is tremendously important. And, and 
that paranoia is partly connected to having a mental health history, that it's actual mental health issues like the kind of obsessive compulsive right. disorders and, and all kinds of other problems that Steve had combined with those sort of political philosophies. So I'm not saying that every libertarian, for instance, is going to turn into becoming a shooter. No, but because hardly. libertarian philosophy uh, uh, emphasizes or, or um, selects the individual or small group or clan over the larger society, it becomes a political philosophy that works. Uh, for shooters. Yeah. Uh, one final question. Uh, oh, last weekend's shooting at Virginia Tech, very different from this. I mean, I think it could be explained and may turn out to be explainable. Simply, the guy stole a car. He got mad at his landlord, stole a guy's car. The next day, he's really worried when he stopped uh, on the campus of Virginia Tech. He shoots a police officer. Then, uh, again, unlike the early reports that had him going some other place on campus and shooting somebody else, the only other fatality was himself. Over the weekend, everybody says, oh, man, we're really surprised. We knew him. He has no rage. He has no violence. He never talks about it. Could they be wrong also? Could somebody three years from now be writing another book about him and finding out that he has the same kind of troubled history that Steve had? Well, I think one thing to point out about school shootings is that they're often not by someone who's a, a student at the no. campus. You know, we have this idea of school shootings, and we think of bullying and such. The truth is that uh, Steve was no longer a student at NIU. Nope. The guy in Stockton obviously wasn't a 6- nope. to 10-year-old student at the school where he did his shooting. Schools become targets for, sure. um, you know, all, all kinds of uh, shootings that committed not you know, just by the students. So instead of getting distracted when we think of school shootings mm-hmm. by things like bullying, I think we need to address the issue of guns, which is the, the number one issue, exactly. our, our, our easy access to guns in this country, to weapons like the Glock 19 that are meant exactly. to kill a bunch of people a short time very reliably. Yeah. Um, you know, we have to address guns as an issue at some point, and because of the Supreme Court, the only way for it now would be to re- actually repeal the Second Amendment, which well, is yeah, it may, going to happen in the U.S. No, it's not. Uh, it may not quite come to that, but maybe that's a conversation for another day. David Van, I want to thank you very much. This is an absolutely extraordinary book. It's called Last Day on Earth. You can pick it up anywhere now. That does it for today's edition. I'm Barry Lynn. This edition of Culture Shocks has been produced by Diane Robinson, engineered by Dwayne Davis, and the Genesis Communication Network technical staff. Visit us online at cultureshocks.com. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. If you'd like to listen to GCN programs on the go, I have great news. GCN has created a droid and iPhone application, and it's free. Just as easy as going to GCNlive.com, click on the banner, and download. Before you know it, you'll be listening to your favorite hard-hitting GCN shows, live or on demand, right on your droid or iPhone, 24-7 and on the go. So download the droid and iPhone app free by clicking on the banner at GCNlive.com. Thanks again for listening to GCNlive.com. Again, that's GCNlive.com. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. Have you ever wondered why banks, stockbrokers, investment advisors won't talk about gold IRAs? They've been available since 1986, yet the financial industry won't recognize the value of gold for your retirement. Gold has outperformed paper investments, yet no word about IRAs. If you would like to have gold for your retirement, call 800-686-2237. Don't get left behind by rising inflation and low returns. Call 800-686-2237. Secure your future and call 1-800-686-2237. 
Lunch is ready. And it's an MRE smorgasbord at longlifefood.com. In 1983, Long Life Food Depot was one of the first to sell MRE pouches to the public, and we're still selling them almost 30 years later. Today, Long Life Food Depot has the world's most complete MRE online buffet because MREs are all we do. Tasty varieties of chicken, beef, salmon, and pasta entrees, plus sandwiches and our easy-to-use pouches. Full moisture, long shelf life, and ready-to-eat hot or cold. We sell by the pouch or case, so the choices are endless, and so are the graduated quantity discounts. The more you buy, the more you save. Call 800-601-2833 or go to longlifefood.com to join our email list for upcoming announcements like the Rollaway Food Pod. Plus, enjoy fast and free shipping. Just call 800-601-2833 or visit longlifefood.com. Emergency preparedness, emergency relief. Longlifefood.com since 1983, sending real food to your real future. You're on board KCAA's Inland Talk Express. KCAA, Loma Linda, 1050 AM, the station that leaves no listener behind. There's a battle for the soul of America. We can't let him tear the kingdom down. This is no game. This is war. Flesh and blood. It's between the bad and good. We can't stop until the trumpet sounds. This is war. Not a game we're playing. This is war. The only question is, which side will you be on? It's time now for a call to decision with Pastor Butch Paul. Satan's armies come to kill. This is war. Hello and welcome, my friends. This is Pastor Butch Paul, the 11th day of December 2012. Welcome to the program tonight. Hope you had a wonderful day wherever you are, and I hope you had a good day in the Lord, and you were able to help some others, maybe bless some others, and enjoy your life because it's a gift given to you today. It's a gift that for you to enjoy and, and glorify your Father and bless others with. That's what life's all about, folks. It's not about making a bunch of money. It's not about being selfish. It's about sharing, as I mentioned some last night. We're going to bring up a guest in a few minutes. This is our first radio show ever. I talked to her someday uh, on her, at her home and uh, uh, talked to her on the, on the phone. She's a very sweet lady. A lady that likes to give and really is concerned for people. A lady that's a midwife that uh, doesn't even charge for the services, uh, writes books, material, different things, and helps people all she can for basically nothing. Her name is Rachel Weaver. We're going to talk to Rachel in a few minutes about a book she's already written entitled Be Your Own Doctor. I've got a copy on the way. It makes you see that. I really am. We know the scriptures tell us that he give us every herb and, uh, and plant for a healing. And I'm convinced, folks, we've all damaged ourselves with stuff that we did. We did it innocently and naively, but we damaged ourselves with with foods, water, even every breathe. We've been polluted to the point it's really not fit for human consumption. But we did it ignorantly, like I said. Nonetheless, we just got to try now, and I'm trying every day, folks. Truly, I am to control diseases that I've gotten over the years from whatever reason. It's, it's difficult. It's not easy, but. We have to work at it for the glory of our Father and for the sake of our, our children and grandchildren, okay? We'll get to, we'll get to, to Rachel in just a few minutes. In the meantime, uh, I'd like to ask a prayer question on mine from a, a younger son who fell and broke his wrist here a little, little over a week ago. He had surgery on it yesterday. He's here with us a couple nights. His right wrist is shattered pretty bad. It's going to be a little while before he gets better, but Patrick fell and hurt it pretty bad, so please keep your prayers if you don't mind. And we are getting some orders in for America the Damned. I offer it to anybody who wants it. 
for donation. If they can, if 10, 20 bucks, whatever, folks. It costs us that much really to make and get out of here, but that's not the point. This five-hour teaching on CD or DVD, your choice, I think will open your eyes to a lot of things. The promises given to nations that serve our, uh, serve our God the, and the promises of those that don't, what America was, what she's become, who, uh, what, her, what, her future, what her future is and who she is in scriptures. If you're interested in that, by all means, let us know. Drop us a note. 15, 20 bucks you can afford it. If you can't, say, I can't afford it, send it to you free. But America the Damned is that important to teach, and I hope you'll get it. It's five hours long, quite detailed, because I didn't want anybody to come back and say, well, it's not Bible. It is Bible, and I can prove it, like I said. So you just let us know you want it. And don't forget our website, PastorButch.com and PastorButch.us. You'll find information there that you'll not find from the other sites, folks. I mean, packed. Check out under church news, economic news, perverted news. All those things are on there. And on there you'll find PastorButch.tv. You can watch all of our teachings for 15 cents a day if you like. Five ninety five a month if you have a computer and want to sign up. Email us your uh, uh, your uh, email address. We will send, we'll sign you up. You can send us $5.95 by mail if you want to, whatever you want to do. Or you can pay PayPal right on the site. Anything you want to do with it. We want you to use it. Please. Learn from it. Share what you're doing, what you're doing with others. But please, it's there for your use. 15 cents a day. Just check it out under PastorBush.com or PastorBush.us. Find PastorBush.tv and go from there. I think you'd be totally glad you did. Back at the break with our guest, uh, Rachel Weaver. I'll like talk about and a little bit of what she does and what kind of lady she is and a little bit about her book and how you can get a copy, okay? Don't go away. On the battlefield, come to kill. This is Could your family survive a food shortage of two weeks to six months or more? Sound far-fetched? The Department of Homeland Defense and your local Office of Emergency Services are already suggesting at least two weeks' worth of food and water. Do you really think that's long enough? We have enemies who have sworn to attack us using nuclear, chemical, or biological weapons. Add this to the ever-increasing possibility of food shortages caused by natural disasters, truck strikes, or monetary collapse, and you have a recipe for disaster. The answer is the supply of our long-storing, freeze-dried, and dehydrated foods. Our foods were designed for the space program, have gone to the moon, and are in constant use today by our own nuclear submarine service. We carry such things as freeze-dried chicken, hamburger patties, pork chops, cottage cheese, and freeze-dried